You're listening to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. This is episode number 106, Health Consequences of Human Trafficking. Welcome to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. My name is Dave Stahoviak. And my name is Sandy Morgan. And this is the show where we empower you to study the issues, be a voice, and make a difference in ending human trafficking. Sandy, one of the things that we often talk about on the show is building partnerships. We're going to be talking about that on the next episode as well, and the importance of strong relationships and community with others who care strongly about the issues and are bringing resources, knowledge, and great care to what we're doing. And one of those relationships is our guest today, uh, someone we've been connected with with many years, is a great friend of the center's, and is also bringing us some new information today that I know will be really helpful to our audience. Well, I think most of you have either heard us quote or you've listened to a podcast with Laura Letter. Um, she is the president of Global Centurion. She's an attorney. She was in the State Department, has been very instrumental in developing policy on human trafficking at a national level as well as international and continues to research and try and find answers. So if I have a hero that has encouraged me to keep studying the issues, it would be Laura Letter. So welcome to Ending Human Trafficking. Thank you, Sandy. I'm really glad to be here. So we're going to jump right into this. Would you sort of set up what you're going to talk about with the health consequences of sex trafficking? Well, I I think you um, led into it very well with your introduction. So for years, we worked on human trafficking as both a human rights issue and a law enforcement issue. And um, uh, only recently did we realize that there are uh, are other aspects of the problem that we had neglected. And one of them is the health consequences of of human trafficking. Um, And... um, I think that that uh, only in the, the the past five years did we realize that that um, there might be um, a um, the the neglected part of this is that that the uh, health providers may be even more than than law enforcement first responders to um, to uh, uh, victims, um, and this we discovered uh, in, a, in a roundabout way. We have been doing a series of focus groups with survivors to uh, ask them about what their health issues were, and um, and we discovered that they have uh, lots of of health issues, and that um, they had been um, not only had, did they have these health issues, but they had been seeking. Um, uh, help for these health issues at a variety of different health, um, uh, you know, in, in, in um, health, I uh, mean, human, the uh, emergency wards and um, uh, neighborhood clinics and um, even at general uh, practitioners. Um, and uh, so uh, as we were doing these focus groups and we found that over 87% of health, of, of those who were victims had gone to seek health care for either physical or mental or reproductive health issues. So that, uh, while, that 
That number of 87%, you know, people have to stop and let that sink in because we've been told this is a hidden crime. We're never going to see the victims. But you're telling me that over 87% presented themselves to a healthcare provider. Exactly. And, and, and that healthcare providers were treating, um, they were treating uh, the uh, victims for whatever was in front of them, whether it was a broken bone from a beating or, or um, a vaginal infection or um, a, uh, you know, a, a, even a stomach ache. And then they were sending them right back out to the uh, trafficker. Um, and so in a, in a way they were unwitting, um, unwittingly aiding and abetting the traffickers wow. because they were basically fixing up the product and sending it back to the trafficker who was, you know, selling it on the street. So tell us a little bit more um, of, of about what you learned from that study. So, so uh, let me just first say what we were doing. We, we, we wanted to show that, um, that, 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 that there were serious serious health issues that were related to sex trafficking and that, that it wasn't one isolated incident here or there or even in one city. And so we, we've been to 15 different cities. We've talked to over 150 survivors. And we have found that survivors have you know, a, 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 a um, panoply of, of, of health problems. We, we did a, a mixed method approach where we both structured interviews, so we heard their stories. We wanted to hear a little bit about how they were recruited, how transported, what the circuits were of the trafficker, what what their um, modus operandi was, how much they were sold for, um, where they were being sold, and whether it was on the street or the internet. Or, um, you know, we heard that some, in some cases, they they were to- they were forced to go to these, um, you know, one or two level motels and knock on every door and just present themselves for sale. Um, so we, we, we wanted that and also how they, you know, how they, how they finally exited or were rescued and got out of it. So we, we heard all those stories and, and, and then we, uh, would also ask them to fill out a, um, a brief survey, um, that had a list of, of health issues, um, that, that were taken from, uh, the World Health Organization's classification of uh, diseases and related health problems so the DSM the, the diagnostic manual and um, then we also asked uh, survivors a series of open-ended questions about health care providers so what type of facilities they had visited um, uh, what kind of medical care they needed um, whether the health care provider knew they were either on the street quote-unquote or in the life or whatever the the term and and um, or whether they asked um, about that, and um, and then a series of questions about uh, that were more detailed about uh, reproductive health care, and 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 um, many of the survivors said, well, we'd been asked about post-traumatic stress syndrome, we'd been asked about um, you know some of these other issues, but we'd never been asked about whether we used birth control and whether we had had pregnancies. Um, miscarriages, um, abortions, um, used the morning after pill, had live births um, during the time we were trafficked. No one had ever asked them that before. And so that was all in new information that we were able to gather um, um, in, in this, in this 
in, in this series of focus groups. And the other thing that, that I thought was very successful about the focus groups was that many of these survivors had never talked to other survivors before. They had never heard other survivor stories. And so mm. they would, when we were in the room, we had these small groups of seven to 12. And, and as they would go around the room, they would say, oh my God, that, happens to, that happened to me too. Um, I never knew that um, any, anyone else's uh, you know, a uh, trafficker did that to them or, and so on and so forth. And so um, there was um, some uh, rapport, some support, some acknowledgement um, uh, and, and uh, lessening of the isolation, I think, that took place in these uh, survivor groups. And what we found was that, that um, uh, not unexpectedly, um, almost all of them had physical health problems, 99 0.1% um, had physical health problems. They had neurological problems, cardiovascular problems, respiratory problems, gastroenterology, um, uh, gastroenterology uh, problems. Um, um, so, uh, and 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 um, uh, some of them acute, and some of them chronic. Uh, you know, ongoing but long term. Um, and then also um, to be expected. Uh, um, a, a, a large number, 98.1%, reported at least one psychological issue. So psychological health problems were were uh, prevalent. Um, they had depression. They had flashbacks. They had um, uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome. They had um, attempted suicide. Um, yeah, a huge number of of so 41.5% had attempted mm. suicide at some oh, time during the time they were trafficked. Um, so physical and mental health problems were huge. And I think this is the first time that we've had um, this large a sample size of survivors across the United States. These were all domestic survivors. So they were our own citizens who had been trafficked into uh, prostitution for the most part when they were children or um, they were very clearly um, trafficked with force, fraud, and coercion so that we could uh, say that, uh, you know, that they uh, were, that's the, the, the definition of trafficking by our Trafficking Victims Protection Act. Okay, so um, let's talk a little bit more about what kind of, um, of reproductive health issues. Uh, I, I saw that in the report, and I don't think people have talked about that. Right, exactly. Um, well, um, a surprisingly um, high number of, of pregnancies during the time that they were trapped in the trafficking situation. 71.2% said that they had had a pregnancy during the time they were trafficked. And um, 67. 3% said that they had um, some kind of um, sexually transmitted disease. Um, and then um, the, the next highest was abortion, um, um, over half, 55.2%. Wow. And I don't want to make this all statistics because um, it's hard to, to um, I want to, to, uh, people to understand that behind each of these statistics, there are, there are you know, dozens and dozens of, of, of human faces and, and, and stories. Mm. Um, uh, and that that's important, but um, I think the, the 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 fact that we have this information now in the aggregate, all these stories, 
it helps us. I mean, um, uh, when I was uh, in the State Department, I remember that um, then-Senator Brownback, he's now governor of, of um, Kansas, said, um, you can have all the anecdotal information you want, and you can tell me story after story, but when you bring me that dry study that, 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 that shows in a concrete way what the problem is, then I can take action, and I can convince my uh, fellow legislators to take action. And so that's part of why we wanted to do this, and that, that's what we told these survivors. We said, we, we want this information from you so that we can help prevent this from happening to any other young women and girls. And, and um, um, we would often go in saying, um, well, you know, we have four or five um, survivors who said that, that they've RSVP'd to the focus group, and then we would get to the room and there'd be 27 because, oh my. The, because the word of mouth, you know, um, and um, they, they would tell other survivors that they knew and people would come and say, we'd want to participate, and they would give willingly of their time so that we could, they could help us understand the problem. Mm. That's that's a survivor voice that really contributes to the solution. It 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 absolutely is, and I think we're, that's the other thing that we're finally beginning to realize that 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 um, the that this has to be um, survivor driven or um, uh, led, and and that um, uh, uh, it's very important to have all of our programs, and and I know that yours is survivor informed. Um, uh, because they've been through it and they know what it's like and they know what programs will work to to um, uh, to, to help eradicate it and which ones will um, uh, you know be um, victim friendly and so that that's really important. Okay, so let's talk about the substance abuse issues. Um, okay. Um, we had um, one of the other um, findings that I, I, I guess is not unexpected, um, but it's a big elephant in the room, is that, that there is a link between trafficking, um, um, particularly sex trafficking, and substance abuse, use and abuse and addiction. And so 84.3% of, of the survivors um, in these focus groups told us that they had... Um, that there was substance abuse that they used. So, so it was. It, there's kind of a chicken and egg kind of a thing. That they, 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 alcohol, marijuana, cocaine, crack cocaine, heroin, ecstasy, PCP, were the main ones that were mentioned. But there were others, um, some that I'd never heard of, um, that 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 people would write in, um, and um, survivors told us, you can't do this thing. You can't be forced to do this thing without something to numb the pain. Mm. And then other survivors told us, um, I, you know, was already addicted to drugs and I got into this because I needed to pay my uh, drug dealer and my, um, you know, my addiction was my ultimate pimp, if you will. Yeah. That, that that was the that that was the the kind of the controlling influence in in my life, um, and this is something that I, I I think that we haven't we we've siloed a lot of these issues. So we have all the substance abuse programs, and we have the sex trafficking programs, and we don't really have um, a way of of connecting and making the the um, well, we have referrals out and that sort of thing. But we need that 
the, the comprehensive set of services that will address this in a, um, a holistic way, basically. So, and, and one of the key parts of this is, um, is finding a way to deal with the chemical and substance abuse. And I think the same is true of violence in, in sex trafficking. Um, 95% of the survivors had, had um, endured some mm. kind of violence or abuse, mostly from their traffickers, some from the, um, the buyers, the, 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 the sex purchasers. Um, and um, they mentioned being punched, being beaten, being kicked, being threatened with a weapon, being strangled, um, um, uh, you know, and, um, and, 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 and even some even more uh, grotesque uh, kinds of, of stories of, of what um, the traffickers do to force and to coerce and to control um, the, uh, you know, the, uh, victims when they're in the, these situations. And, um, uh, this is part of what we want to tell the health providers is that, that all of these kinds of, of, uh, health issues that, that, that if you're, if you're seeing those, if you're seeing a cluster of them, or if you're seeing a returning, um, uh, you know, a, a person who's returning over and over again with the same type of, of uh, symptoms or complaints that these should be red flags and and that there should be a way of of um, uh, you know responding to um, identifying and responding to a potential survivor so that you can help um, extract them from that situation so um, let's let's go we're about halfway through let's look at the healthcare providers who are they and and what do we need to do so that they do respond better um, there are a, a whole variety of healthcare providers who are um, who are seeing victims of trafficking and 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 don't know it so um, as I said to you 87.8 percent said that they had had contact with um, a healthcare provider during the time they were trafficked, that they had gone in either on their own or with uh, the trafficker um, and to be treated for, I call them the three I's, an injury, in, um, impairment, or illness. Um, so injuries from, you know, violence or, um, you know, some, some, uh, something inflicted on them um, and, and um, uh, illnesses, um, every, everything from the uh, serious communicable diseases like hepatitis mm. and tuberculosis and 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 um, you know the STDs to um, you know more uh, chronic kinds of things that 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 after you know if your body's being abused over and over again um, you will have and then impairments and and under impairments I'm, I'm, I'm I'm classifying or I'm talking about substance abuse and chemical abuse and, okay. and other kinds of impairments like that. So, so the, the highest uh, percentage of uh, the, the health care providers who saw victims on, a, on the most regular basis were, without knowing it, <laughs> were, were hospitals and emergency wards, emergency rooms. Um, and that was 63, almost 64%. Um, and um, and the, 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 these victims are going in 
they're using the the uh, emergency wards, um, and, and I think and I th- and I think it makes sense if you think about it. They're using it for all kinds of healthcare, mm-hmm. um, and so uh, those are places where if we had to target trainings, I think the ERs um, are the places where we we should spend the most time. Right. And then following that was Planned Parenthood for. Um, for abortions, and then also for, 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 for birth control and for other kinds of, of health care. That was almost 30%, 29.6%. And then um, um, 22% said that they saw a general physician. And, um, uh, you know, and we heard all kinds of stories about, about uh, who these doctors were. They were sometimes... Um, uh, you know, uh, people who who were um, uh, in the tr- in the in the traffickers' pocket. In other words, mm-hmm. um, one survivor said, "Well, uh, yeah, we used to go in um, to get care from the from this a doctor, and it was back door. He would open the door after hours, and he would treat us um, uh, as a favor for the trafficker, and then the trafficker would pay him in." Um, you know, sexual favors that the that the the victim who had just been treated would have to uh, you know would have to give, um, and then then um, urgent care clinics and women's health clinics and neighborhood clinics were were all in the um, you know around twenty percent um, had frequented those kinds of clinics, and then um, uh, uh, about thirteen percent said other and when we would ask what does that mean they said well my trafficker had um, a grandmother who was a nurse and she had a clinic down the basement um, and she would you know she treated anything and everything that that uh, that um, would uh, you know w- was needed um, including she she did abortions on, on the side down there um, so we heard all kinds of stories like that and then we also heard so it's from some survivors that they didn't have any health care during the entire time that they were that they they were um, uh, trapped in the trafficking situation and um, I don't I don't have that stat and I should because it was a fairly high number who had never seen anybody and whatever happened to them they just had to you know, treat it with over-the-counter uh, or get over it. Or some of them said, you know, I never went to a, a health care provider and, uh, and I had pelvic inflammatory disease and now I can't have children. Mm. So, um, uh, so there's that aspect of this too. But I think if we, if, if we were to design programs that trained providers to be on the lookout for uh, you know those uh, indicators of of a potential trafficking victim, and figure out how to help them because they they need to they need to um, understand uh, you know how to create um, a situation where there's safety, security, trust enough so that the survivor or the the victim can can say this is what's happening to me as opposed to um, what we we uh, heard and saw often on these um, in the in the focus group um, well uh, the doctor never asked me or the nurse asked me 
Um, but she asked me in front of my trafficker, and so mm. I couldn't tell the truth. I had to lie. Um, and so we need a whole set of guidelines or protocols for how to um, help um, health providers, uh, you know, to, to um, treat this vulnerable and special population. And I, you know, Laura, I'm a nurse, and I've done um, a little bit of training. And I, when I talk to doctors and nurses, I, I always am impressed with the access that they have. It's their job to ask questions to find out what's wrong. And it's also their job to be a patient advocate. So it seems like it's one of the areas for training that we have to really get out in front and push this forward. Yeah, and, and I, I think that we had this discussion recently at a roundtable that you, for health uh, uh, care providers, that, that, that um, you hosted, and um, uh, providers were saying, yes, we, we, do, we do have questions that we have to ask. We have to ask about safety, and we have to ask about, um, there's one other question, but, but sometimes those questions are asked in such a routine or, or rote way that they're, it, it, it doesn't um, promote or it doesn't prompt the kind of, um, you know, response that, that uh, we, we would like or, or we haven't really created the situation, you know, necessary. And uh, the, the other thing is that healthcare providers are really busy. And mm-hmm. so figuring out how to create that atmosphere in a short period of time where there are lots of pressures um, and where the, the victim is in pain um, is, you know, it, it, it's a tough job. And um, I'm not going to tell anybody how to do it, but I know there are ways to do it. And, and so um, we, we just have to figure out what those are. I, I did a training at a local nursing school recently, and afterwards we did some um, role-playing. And nurses and doctors, they're very creative. So when that exactly that question, how are we going to be able to talk to her in private? The nurse said, oh, I'm going to ask the doctor to order um, some x-rays, and I'm sending her to x-ray. Nobody can go in the x-ray room with her. So it was, um, they do, I, th- I think that as this field takes up this issue, they're going to be the best ones to um, shape what that training looks like. Right. And uh, as we're, we're, we're beginning to uh, experiment to, to see what works and what doesn't work, and I know at Harvard they've got a new clinic um, uh, that, that is specializing in treating trafficking victims, and um, there they have something called the Rainbow Room, and, and um, they, uh, are, uh, they say that if... if uh, if hospital emergency wards can establish a place where um, if it looks like there's a potential victim, you know, um, uh, terrible beating, um, uh, vaginal infection, um, uh, you know, um, all, uh, 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 substance abuse issues, all those indicators, then is there a way we can get her to this room where we, where you know, there's a little bit of safety. She's separated from the the trafficker. She might have some downtime where she's not just being examined and hurried through the physical part of the the routine. Um, offer her, you know, uh, something to drink or or, or eat, and and maybe um, you know begin a case manager um, approach to this. Not all, um, uh, you know, 
health providers have that luxury, but it's something to think about is the, what, you know, what, how do we want to structure this and what, what, are, what, what are the, as you say, creative ways that we can begin to address it. Well, and then when that's identified, then we have the issue of reporting. And can you just quickly kind of go through um, the, the big points, the big rocks in the jar about reporting? Right. So, so we're making a couple of recommendations. I call it the one T and four R's. And the first, the first one, the T is training. Obviously, we have to have at least a basic training that um, helps health providers understand the nature and scope of, of the problem of trafficking in persons. Um, gives them a little bit of background on the laws. Um, look at the the um, the uh, health effects as we did, um, and there are ours isn't the only study. There are others that have been done, and um, um, you know, uh, it, it, so so that they understand um, the nature and scope of the problem, and they and they can identify, and then um, and then I and then I separate out um, the four R's are referral, reporting, research, and resources, and I separate out referral from reporting. Referral is what are the community services that you can can refer the victim or potential victim to, um, shelters, um, places for food and clothing, um, uh, short-term places to stay, um, other forms of medical assistance if they need it, um, translation, legal assistance, uh, you know, uh, all of those are for the most part, in most communities, we're starting to have um, task forces and coalitions and, and faith-based groups that are beginning to offer these sets of services. And so referrals to, to those places are often a first step and, uh, and an important one. Um, and then um, reporting, I think, is the, the, the 800-pound gorilla, <laughs> I yeah. call it, oh um, because so many um, uh Providers have said to me, "Well, you know, I don't want to interrupt the the, um, the, the, the 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 care, the patient, um, the doctor-patient um, relationship. That's the first thing. And if I report, I may do that. She'll never come back if she has a follow-up. She'll never come back if she knows or thinks that I I, uh, I reported or that I have to report. Um, this is another thing. Others say, well, uh, HIPAA, the the privacy and confidentiality um, uh, laws, are are you know prevent me from reporting. Um, and um, and others say, I don't. I'm not law enforcement. I don't want to get engaged in uh, you know in becoming uh, a part of the law enforcement. Um, uh, you know, uh, ca- ca- capability. I am a doctor, or I am yeah. a nurse, and I and my mission and mandate is to treat the problem that's in front of me. But if you just treat that problem and and don't understand the context, the violence, and the and uh, the force, and the fraud, and the coercion, and the and the control, and the um, and 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 the the, the the terrible destruction of a life, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual uh, devastation that's going on, and you just treat that particular problem that's in front of you, then you're really a part of the problem still. Mm, and so, right. so it is going to be important for us to to grapple with the question of reporting and um, 
you know, and we can start with the anonymous reporting that's available through Polaris, um, the national hotline. Uh, there you can make a call to an, um, an 800, well, it's an 888 number, um, and, uh, and, and, and report, and you don't even have to leave your name, you just leave as much detail as you can so that that, that Polaris project can follow up. And then Polaris will come back to the community find the right people to follow up and and see if they can both in terms of the uh, health and human services aspect but also the law enforcement aspect so that's the first thing but um, I think even um, more important is to begin to uh, um, build in um, in our our state and local laws and and perhaps in our federal uh, legislative infrastructure um, some reporting uh, requirements and capabilities, because we will not fully understand the, uh, uh, you know, the scope of the problem if we don't have people reporting when they're coming in contact with victims, um, and we are missing opportunities to uh, help. Um, you know, I, I call them exit strategies because some people don't like the the term rescue. Um, but uh, we're, we're missing those opportunities, um, and, and, and that's important. And um, I thought we had a breakthrough at your, um, your roundtable when one of the, the, the doctors said, well, you know, part of the reason that we are worrying and, and you know, discussing and debating um, ad infinitum reporting is because we just don't have that mandate. And if someone would give us the mandate, then we wouldn't worry about what the, the doctor-patient relationship, the, the paperwork, the, you know, where does law enforcement end and, 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 or begin and, and the healthcare end. That would be decided for us. And we could go and just do our work, but with the confidence that somebody else was going to do what was their part of the job. So I think this is a, an important uh, aspect of this work that we're going to have to continue to uh, grapple with and, um, um, and figure out uh, how to, uh, you know, how to address it. And we're going to need probably more um, uh, legal uh, framework for it in the future. But at least right now, we do have some ways of reporting that we can begin to utilize. Well, the, our time has passed and Dave is over there waving at me, but um, <laughs> we have so much more to talk about. We're going to have to do another podcast. In the meantime, we I, I want to direct you to read this article, Health Consequences of Human Trafficking by Laura J. Letter in the Annals of Health Law. I think it's in the December 2014 issue. We'll have a link to it on our website. Um, um, and we will also make uh, a PowerPoint that kind of outlines what we've talked about here today. We would also love for you to call in and ask your questions. You can um, email them to gcwj at vanguard.edu. You can call and leave a phone message at 714-966-6360. And if we get some questions, we're going to have Laura Letter back on our podcast. And Laura, thank you so much. We just need a lot more time. And we're looking forward to walking on this um, road with you and 
and coming alongside as much as we possibly can at the Global Center for Women and Justice at Vanguard University. 